0: You never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for a full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is... Mark My Words. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Mark My Words. And this is the podcast where I bring on a guest in the entrepreneurial world and we talk about their path. And we talk about life and we meet at the crossroads somewhere and talk about where things changed and how they became an entrepreneur. And today I feel like I have a very good representation of the entrepreneurial world on this show. He specializes in accountability, but he does so much more. He's an entrepreneur sales and marketing executive, a Forbes contributor, and runs his own business coaching firm. He is an award-winning entrepreneur. Uh, he was named Utah Business Magazine's Top 40 Under 40 a couple years ago. I could probably go on and on and on about Don Markland.
1: Welcome to Mark My Words. It's great to have you here on the show. How you doing? Man, I'm so good. Mark, thank you for having me on. And before we even get into anything, I wanted to just say how much I love your show, your voice, and the voice you provide people. I, I think about when I started my first business, and I was a co-owner of this, this company. You know, we didn't have podcasts back in 2012, 2013. When we were trying to figure out what to do, we were going you know we were reading some books looking at some stuff online talking to people and if we had had resources like this it would have sped up or at least helped us not make as many mistakes so thank you for what you're doing i think it's a great platform and you do a great job well i really appreciate
0: that considering i woke up early just to uh, have this conversation with you to hear those <laughs> words and it was enough to have you on the show but to hear all those kind words just makes it even more worth it and when I think about 2012 and I know in my gut I wanted to do something a little more for myself but didn't know what to do or how to do it and frankly I don't even think I knew what the heck I was doing other than my actual career
1: <laughs> that's right so, yeah Look, Look, that's the start of all entrepreneurship is understanding that even though you might not have an idea or you might not have a business plan, you're a brand as a person and you have value in your own unique way and you owe it to your family to express it and do something with it that makes a difference. That's so
0: true. And I think a lot of people don't think about the fact that even if they're not an entrepreneur, they're still a brand and they're still representing something. And I really have started to learn that over the past five years. You know, you talk about the crossroads. I talk about my own crossroads in bits and pieces a lot on this show. And I think the crossroads for me was five years ago. That's when I really started thinking about my life more but i don't necessarily want to take up all your time talking about my life let's talk about your life a little bit because you have had quite the resume i feel like i've had a lot of jobs and i probably still have more jobs than you i just it's all stuff i haven't posted or wouldn't post on linkedin because I've worked in like a woodworking factory, all stuff I did even before I graduated college. But you have a really interesting resume as I look at your LinkedIn. First of all, you majored in English literature and then transitioned to
1: business. How did that come about? Well, it actually was even a little step before that. When I first got into college, I was a Um, a full scholarship student in vocal performance and musical theater, right? So I I thought I was going to be the next great Broadway star. That was my dream and my passion when I was going to Utah Valley uh, State College. It's now UVU in Orem, Utah. And I put a lot into theater and a lot into that type of work, only to realize in a very humbling way that I wasn't as good as I thought I was, right? I was good enough for state college and good enough for scholarships. And and I was really good. And then I did some national tour auditions and got all the way down to like the final two callbacks for Beauty and the Beast, the national tour. And I got to see what world-class Broadway talent was like versus where I was at. And I saw and realized I'm gonna have to put in so much more work just to get up to par. And that's when I realized this is, This is maybe something I want to adjust. So I switched to my other passion, which was literature. And I, and I loved British literature and English literature. And I spent a long time with that. But then my beautiful wife, who's amazing, she reminded me that, you know, we're going to need to have a family and we're going to want to support and do these things. What are you going to do? You know, reading Charles Dickens every day. And so I realized Look, I have a personality that I can sell a little bit. I like talking to people. I'd already done some things in my career early on. So I switched to business finance because I knew if I knew I could sell, but if I understood the financial mechanisms of business, then I knew I could be really effective. And so that's what I did. Interesting.
0: And coming into that with the background and the passions that you had, did you feel like you had the Mathematical foundation could be in the business world, or is that something you just putting the work and were able to make that transition because you're um,
1: smart? Yeah, <laughs> the good question. Math was not my strong suit. Right, understanding math and calculus and and uh, statistics was not my strong suit. But it's something that I teach a lot of my coaching practice as well. Is that skill and discipline beats talent every time, and I did not have particular talent in how to do statistical analysis or regression analysis or understand that You know, I couldn't do a spreadsheet to save my life. But then as I got it, as I got my uh, degree in that, as I later on got my MBA in global, international business and took higher level statistics classes, I started to drill it and practice it over and over and over until now I can do it fairly quickly.
0: Wow, that is amazing because I know that one thing from listening to your podcast, which I also forgot to mention, the morning jolt is Don Markland's podcast. It's awesome. Listen to that, look it up as well. I was listening to said podcast. You talked a lot about putting in the work in I think the the Donkey episode and which was great. And I know that I put in a ton of work as far as trying to learn math because I had a situation where I was getting told, well, you know, you need to get a business degree and you're not going to be able to make a career out of whatever you're trying to do, which was broadcasting. And I actually made an attempt to major in business, a very short uh, foray in the business. I put in the work and... I mean, I I never took calculus. I barely even passed geometry, so I did not have the foundation for math. Just for whatever reason, with all the work I put in, it just was not my thing. And I wound up deciding after a while that, okay, I I just cannot do this. Because if I would have majored in business, either I'd still be majoring in business today, and still in college and failing and failing, or I would be working in that woodworking factory. So yeah, um, yeah, that I found out that just was not for me at all. Well,
1: and I'll tell you something about skill development that's important: is that um, you can. I mean, not everybody's destined to be a world-class Olympian, okay? But anybody can learn a skill and become good at it. Um, their MIT did a study. This is a number of years ago but they looked at the number of hours it takes to complete an MBA. And then they compared that to people that were willing to read a a certain number of books on a subject. And they found if you read, because you think about the time it takes to read a, a full cover to cover, regular nonfiction book. If you read 21 books on one particular subject, it is the equivalent as far as knowledge attainment as an MBA. And so uh, what happened to me a little time in my career, you know, my background at first was only sales. I just was a guy, could do sales processes, sales on the phone, sales door to door. I was just a sales guy. And then as my career continued to develop, I had some people say, hey, can you run this marketing group? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I, you know, I come from the principle of everything's always figure outable. So I always say yes, and we'll find a way. And so I found myself starting to run these large marketing organizations, but I knew nothing about Digital marketing, AdWords, AdWords strategy, landing page design, email marketing. I knew nothing. So I made a list of 21 of the best digital marketing books. And I read them and I read about 60 to 80 books a year. So I sat and I just read and read and read and read and read. And once I got through all that, I mean, I knew more about marketing than most people that have been in for 20 years, even to the point where I made a bid on a, at a conference and they asked me to come speak on digital marketing. And I went and spoke, I talked about digital marketing and and the trends of the year and all these things. And somebody afterward was like, oh, you were so insightful. How long have you been doing digital marketing? And I said, oh, you know, about six months, right? Six months. And I go, but it's just because you take the time to study, read and apply.
0: And that to me defines, I think, what you were trying to say about putting in the work. Because you truly put in the work to become uh, somebody of expertise in all those areas. And I know when I first started on this, I would consider the second chapter of my professional career, and I left my job of 10 years, I wound up wanting to study up on social media, podcasting, and I worked at least in my mind, I worked really hard, read up, and putting all that work, and it all—it almost makes me feel like, okay, I didn't go to school for this or anything like that, but I feel like I'm an expert now. I feel like I know yeah. so much, and it's like you, you kind—at of, least I did. I know I was like, I want to say I'm an expert, but uh, it's like it, it felt so easy i know i put in the work but some that's what you just said that's exactly what you gotta do in this day and age if you want to make those transitions and if you want to progress in your career
1: that's right you just gotta out you gotta there's a great quote that i've used a lot it's by a guy an actor named will smith it's mentioned a lot where he said Um, He goes, look, I might have somebody else get a part over me because they were better looking than I am. They were sexier than I am. They were better fit or something. But if it comes down to who's willing to work harder, he goes, I have a philosophy that I will die on the treadmill. And they go, well, what does that mean? He said, well, dying on the treadmill means if I'm in a work competition on a treadmill, me against somebody else, one of two things are going to happen. Either they're getting off first or I'm going to die on that treadmill. And that's the philosophy of work hard. You've got to be relentless at your ability to put in the work and win. And it's
0: interesting that whole quote and everything you just said. I feel like as you were saying all that, I look back on my life and I feel like that to a large degree applies to me. And for me, it's a little bit different because I was born with obstacles that kind of made me a little different with the cleft lip and palate. I think there's a couple different roads that we can all go down just as people, but I think when you have obstacles like I do, there's a couple different ways you can go. You can sit back a little bit more and not want to be seen or heard. And it was instilled in me from an early age by my mom to really try to like go out there and prove myself and she was the type of parent that would wake me up at five in the morning to she would go to those teacher shops and buy all those teacher books on English and phonics and she would drive me out of bed to make me go over all that so that I could articulate and be smart and not, you know, jumble over words or not, you know, just to appear smart, which hopefully I just am smart, not just appearing (laughs) smart, but she instilled that. And I have carried that with me my entire life where any time I feel like somebody has doubts and even into adulthood, there have been plenty of people who even if they don't say it, If you're somebody like me, you can feel it. And you can feel if somebody has doubts or they're not sure of you. And it just makes me want to work harder, just like the treadmill analogy there. It's just, you know, I'll fall over and kill over on the treadmill or the elliptical working hard just to prove something. And not only just to prove, that's a whole nother topic I've kind of gotten over proving to people so much but as far as working hard and getting to where i want to be those values have really been instilled in me and it's something i've carried with me
1: i love that what's your mother's first name millie millie so i love what millie did um you know and uh, you know i don't know how much she listens to your show she's like my mom she doesn't listen to my shows at all but millie is an inspiration right? Because you look at who you are, you look at your career, you look at your podcast, you look at everything. Um, that's the value of parenting. There's a quote that I use all the time by a guy named David O. McKay, where he said, no success outside the home justifies failure inside the home, all right? And too many times, especially entrepreneurs think, well, I can't work, spend time with my kids or I can't raise them or I can't do this because I got to build my career. I got to build my empire. No success outside the home justifies failure inside the home ever and the fact that millie was willing to put in all that extra time and all that extra work look at the legacy look at the legacy that it's had on the world because she was willing to say my son who's got some challenges that that are visible everybody has challenges yours happened to be visible that you could see and everybody else could see and judge off of and she said i refuse to let this be a deterrent I'm going to be an incredible mother and do whatever it takes to make my son be have his best shot at life. That's inspiring. That is entrepreneurship. Even though she didn't get a transactional you know, relationship from it, right? She wasn't off making millions of dollars from an e-com store. It was still entrepreneurship mentality of I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find solutions. I'm going to bootstrap it. I'm going to figure it out. And ain't nobody going to stop me. And that is awesome. I hope one day to talk to Millie and just tell her how awesome I think she did with you and, and what an inspiration she is.
0: Well, speaking of inspiration and working hard, let's talk a little bit about your actual path. So you got out of college and you did like a lot of stuff. You were, you were a piano performer you were a trainer. You were a professor. I feel like you and I, in some ways, you're like the. I I, I would almost say a white collar version of me. I mean, <laughs> not that you don't have blue collar value. Yeah, you. No. Yeah,
1: but I I was not a manual labor person. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely. you're def-
0: you got talk over. You apologies, but no, you're okay. You you're like the white collar version of me because. I, I worked in, like, retail. I'm talking, like, Best Buy stocking stores at 5 a.m. in the morning. And, you know, I did the woodworking. I did sales, like, furniture sales. Whereas you, you know, you, you tried a little bit of everything, but on another level. So what kind of, like, led to that? Was that organic? Or were you, were you like, trying to find something within you? What were you doing with all the different, awesome paths that you tried out?
1: Well, um, I did, and it's not all on my resume, but when I was in college um, as a musical theater major, I was a a day laborer uh, for a temp company. And so I did, I don't know how many jobs, working at a paper factory, working janitorial work, stocking, um, uh, cleaning work. Uh, road cleaning work. I mean, I did the most miserable, tough, difficult work because that's all I could find while I was going to college. So I did that for a long time, and then as I started to get through college and find a love for sales and for business, I moved <coughs> into a sales role and a um, with a company, and I worked my way up there. I was on the phones for about two weeks. Before there was a management opening position. And so I applied and everybody around me was like, Don, you shouldn't apply. You've only been here two weeks. That's crazy. And I said, you don't know me, right? I'm going to do whatever I want. So I go apply for this management job. And I went and met with my boss. Her name was Kim Clegg. And I said, I showed her a little presentation of why I was going to be the best supervisor in the history of the company, in the history of the world. And I couldn't believe it. I got the job. And as And I was making six twenty-five an hour. That's what my rate was as the manager. It was amazing. And I kept doing that. I did that for about five, six months until an assistant call center manager position. This would have been the number two person in the facility. And I applied for it again. And again, everybody told me, Don, you're crazy. That's nuts. Like, you, you're too young. You've, you, you know, you're 20. You, you know, this is crazy. And I said, you don't owe me. I'm going to do whatever I want. So I met with Kim Clegg again. Showed her a presentation of why I was going to be the best assistant call center manager in the history of the company, in the history of the world. And holy cow, I got the job. And now I was making 10 25 an hour. And I was the number, you know, right, her right-hand person. And I busted it hard. I worked at it and worked at it. And then as fortunate would have it about six, another six months later, they had an actual branch manager position open up in Yakima, Washington. And I was living in Utah. So what Yakima, Washington might as well have been Egypt. It was so far away, but I applied for it. And again, everybody was telling me, Don, you're crazy. You're like barely 21 years old. Like, I mean, how in the world are you going to get this job? That's nuts. You're never going to get it. And I said, you don't know me. And I went and met with the VP of operations at the time. His name's Greg. And I'm still very close to Greg and showed him why I'd be the best branch manager in the history of the company and the history of the world. And sure enough, I got the job. And they moved me to Washington. And here I was, this 20-year-old kid running a call center operation out of Yakima, Washington. And and within three months, we were the number one running facility in the whole company. We were killing it. And that's when they made me a trainer. And I started traveling around the country and doing that and being successful. From there, I moved to a different organization focus where I was a, a director. And eventually, within three years, I was the vice president of operations Um, and ran now all of a sudden I had 1500 employees all over the world and I was launching businesses in El Salvador, uh, India, the Philippines, uh, all on the same ambition of if somebody says, no, I was like, you don't know me. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to find a way. And that's where, that's why I was, you know, I did some, you know, I did some teaching in college and things like that. Um, and I did little things, but. It was the ambition to make a difference and an impact. And when somebody said no, you can't, I dug in and went after it. And it was it was important. And it was when I was at that company, you know, when I really hit my crossroads of where I needed to change my life. And and that's where that occurred.
0: And how did you feel that you needed to change your life at that point? You were doing so great. I don't know if being an entrepreneur was the front of your mind but uh what what exactly was going on that made you want to change gears
1: well here i was in my mid-20s right i was about 25 years old i was about 70 pounds heavier than i am now um but and i was traveling all the time i was traveling 24 times a year now look in a lot of ways i was very successful i had a good mid six-figure salary my beautiful wife had three kids things were going really well but inside, I was overwhelmed, overworked, overstressed, right? And I didn't realize it. And so one day, I was at, in a training room in Rock Falls, Illinois. I had just finished a big, long training with a few hundred people. And I was eating um, dinner, which was my favorite restaurant at the time, which was Taco Bell. I don't know if you know that fine establishment, okay? but I was throwing back a chalupa, which is so good. And I remember thinking, this can't be what my life's about. This can't be, I, there's got to be a better way. And I thought about a quote from, from a guy named Bob Proctor, where he said, accountability is the glue that ties commitment to results. And that struck me. And I thought, let me think about this. I need to have better accountability in my life. And I created my own personal program called the four C's of accountability. It was mine just for me, not for anybody else. And as I started to live that four C's, my life got better. I lost all the weight started to see my family more and my wife liked the thinner me, which was a nice win. Right. Um, and everything started to succeed. I started to teach it to my team and tell them they had to run it. And as they lived the four C's, everything started to get better. That business grew from 15 to 25 million up to 45 million. And it was incredible. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I've, I've just, I'm a genius. I started to get this big head, right? I'm a superstar genius. <laughs> and then is the way the world works. And this is always what happens um, at that moment. That's when my wife got diagnosed with cancer oh, no. and, and she's fine now, right? I'll make sure everybody knows that, but she got diagnosed and it was shocking. Cause here we had three kids under the age of six. I just started to get success. Like I've lost weight, got my program, got everything going, business is growing. And my wife gets cancer. I couldn't believe it. And the next two years was tough. Her surgeries, radiation, all that kind of stuff. It was brutal. And what got us through it is accountability. Knowing what we're going to do, the glue that ties commitment to results, the four C's. And as we got through that, I remember telling her, I wouldn't wish these two years on my worst enemy. And at the same time, I wish everybody could taste this. Everybody could. Because after going through this, I'm a better manager, leader, executive, husband, father, son you name it. And it was through that is when I decided, you know, I was meeting with that company and they were talking about possibly naming me president. We realized, I don't know if we want to do that. Let's try something that's a little more on our own. And I left that company, even though I'd been there 10 years, um, had an equity play, had a pathway to own- be the president, all these things. We walked away from it all to chase some dreams. And I joined a small little startup as employee number five, and it was an owner and chief operating officer. And I went down the path.
0: Wow. I feel like if I knew I was on the path to become president of a company, that would be a very hard decision. How hard was that
1: for you? Um, it was for the until we made the decision, it was a wrestle. We're religious and we believe in faith and, and we did a lot of prayer and contemplation and meditation on it. And we both realized that every once in a, and you've had this in your life, Mark, where your brain says, do this. But your heart says do this, and it doesn't make any sense, right? And you just gotta have faith. You just gotta have faith to step into the dark. And look, faith doesn't mean blind faith that I do it without preparation, right? I explored opportunities, I found what was out there, I did did the research, and then we stepped out into the dark. And we knew it wasn't easy, right? The first, I'll I'll you know I'll share this dumb little silly story with you. But when we first when I joined that business. Um, 90 days into it, we were negative 10,000 run rate. It was horrible. We were losing money. I was losing money. Um, And I remember one day I called my wife on my way home. I had an hour and a half commute. And I said, this is awful. This is miserable. I should have never left that company, right? Where it was super successful. I had a secretary, I had all these things. Now I'm losing money. I'm losing our money. The business is failing. What do I do? And she said, are you done whining? And I said, yes. And she said, good. I'm sick of hearing it. You've been calling me for weeks complaining and it's getting exhausting from now on. Only call me when you're going to talk about the solutions. Otherwise, you are the problem because lucky for you, I didn't marry a loser. And she said, from now on, only to call me when you're going to talk about the four C's. And then she hung up the phone, just slammed it. And it changed my life because that's when she taught me the value of coaching I did not call her every day because I didn't have good things to say every day, right? But most days I would call her. i bring up solutions. She'd push back. She'd help me think through it, push back, and help me find solutions. And that's when I realized there's value in coaching. It was shortly after I was there, I got my own personal coach, um, and I've had a coach ever since. And my business grew, that negative 10,000 business. We got it up to 1.5 million before we sold it, and it did well. And I've applied now those same principles everywhere I've gone since then and I owe it all to her.
0: That is amazing, and I I really like the idea of just, you know, her not saying, oh, just be more positive, or just be this. Actually find a solution, take the action, and sometimes that's the hardest thing for people to do, is to take the action, because it doesn't really take a whole lot to just be positive. I can be positive but i if i really want results i have to find the solution to the problem that's right yeah i think that was a really great way of thinking and i think that would have motivated me too so good job for her
1: (laughs) yeah she's amazing she's the best she's the best i've ever known best woman on earth
0: fair enough well uh for one thing so you're the second Podcast that I've done this week and the one thing that you and Jessica my other guests earlier this week have in common is that you're keying in on one word that your whole like not just what your business is about but what you're about and I'm curious to know is that something that happened by accident or I mean, I know you kind of told the story already, but keying in on that one word, is that something that you knew you had to do to kind of build a foundation? Or It
1: did. Yeah. Look, I had tried a lot of different personal development programs, courses, read countless books, all these things, and nothing seemed to stick until I started to understand what accountability really was. And so many times people confuse accountability. They think accountability is negative right? Did you hold that guy accountable, right? Did you hold him accountable? Did you hold your team accountable, right? And it always has this connotation of negative consequence. And that is not the case. Accountability is the glue that ties commitment to results. It's always positive, always. And even if you make a mistake, we're going to hold you accountable. But if you're going to win, we're going to hold you accountable. You're going to be accountable for every decision you make in your life. Nothing happens to you. You only make it happen. And when you start down that path and understand that and apply the four C's, you become lethal in your life. It's amazing what you can accomplish and do and succeed with when you truly understand how accountability works.
0: Well, with that being said, and I wish more people would think like that because I know that's without even knowing it and researching the four C's and what accountability is about to you at least from what I'm reading it makes me realize that you know I feel like in a lot of ways it kind of lines up with how I try to live my life and think because I I'm one of those people and I think you said it somewhere in your podcast emotionally disconnecting from things it's something that because of how my life has turned out and my path I'm really good at just emotionally disconnecting and I know that that's something that you emphasize in the I keep calling it the donkey episode of your podcast and is that something that kind of like goes hand in hand with accountability as far as like just being able to hold yourself accountable and to be able to see things through the right lens so you
1: can yeah well you you're bringing up a great point of all decision making is based on emotion and that's where people kind of get confused they think well I need to have logic I need to know know this makes sense that's not true that logic gives you an emotional response of security that it's always based on emotion And so we are emotional people, emotional beings. And if you can understand how your emotion works, how to influence the way your emotion works and tie that to productive behavior, it becomes unbelievable what you can do, right? So it isn't just about, like I talked about in the Donkey episode, working hard and just working, 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 right? It's about working the right way. It's about tying your emotions to the right incentives in your life, so that you take care of it right and that you prioritize yourself you prioritize everyone around you and you become successful that way
0: i totally agree totally agree and just from living the life i've lived i it's amazing you know i i feel like i'm a very successful person in my own way and i see the kind of success you've had and i see all these things you're saying i look at your path i'm like. Boy, me and Don are pretty similar in a lot of ways. And I mean, now it's inspiring for me because I'm like, okay, I know if I want to take my own life to the next level or two, which is something I'm putting the work in for. And I see how similar we are. It's like, okay, not that everybody has to be like God.
1: My, <laughs> yeah, my wife would say, "Please no, please, please no." Yeah, there's one too many. Yeah,
0: but I I see the similarities, and I'm like, you know, this is inspiring just for me, just yes. seeing the similarities. So that's pretty cool for me to see. Even as we continue the the discussion, which I, if you want to, I know you want to encourage people to read your book and everything else, but I've got the four C's of accountability in front of me. If you want to talk a little bit about Uh, it, I'm
1: happy to. I love talking about it. Okay. And every one of your listeners can go to my website, accountabilitynow.net. They can get their own free ebook copy, or they can go to Amazon and buy a copy, um, either or. Um, So the four C's, it starts with two rules, and then there are four C's underneath it. The first two rules, the first rule is, accountability always starts with me. So I can't go into a room. I can't go into an environment and think, you know, what, you know, it's your fault. I have to look at myself first. I just, this morning, I was having a coaching call with a client of mine from India. Um, And I was talking to her about a a situation she's having with her investment firm. And as we were discussing it, I was saying, remember you, you know, the frustrated partners, They're frustrated at your actions. Your actions are causing it. How can you fix it? How can you change it? Don't be mad at them. be mad at yourself. Look at yourself first. And we had a kind of an eye-opening session, right? So accountability starts with yourself. Second thing is there are no egos in accountability, right? Anybody can hold you accountable. I'll give you an example. I teach this in a metaphor. You take the sport of baseball. If I throw a pitch and you swing and you miss that is a strike mark got a strike and it doesn't matter if i set call it a strike or the umpire calls it a strike or an opposing player calls it a strike heck if a fan in the stands calls it a strike it doesn't matter a strike is still a strike but so many times we get our feelings hurt we get frustrated when people call out our flaws and we get just upset and we start to attack back and say you're being a hypocrite you do it too and you're so bad why are we wasting that energy who cares you still missed right? It was a strike. That's all that matters. So be thankful, drop the ego and get better. That's important. <clears throat> Secondly, now, or now we go into the four C's, which are really easy at this point. First C is critique success. Do it better every time, no matter what, do it better every time. Um, if, I don't care how good you've done. If you have a great podcast like you do, right? Mark my words, right. You look at it and you try to get better every time. Don't rest on your laurels. Critique your success. Surround yourself with people that will tell you the truth and make things better. Second is correct failure. I want more mistakes. I want more podcast episodes with problems in it. I want more guests that don't show up, right? Because that means you're trying. That means you're pushing. That means you're figuring things out. More mistakes. We don't punish mistakes with my business. We correct them and get better. Third, celebrate growth hardest thing in this life to do is grow. That is the hardest thing. Not succeed, it's grow. You and I were sent here by our God to be successful. That was our expectation. So don't celebrate meeting expectations. Celebrate choosing hard things. If you go to the gym and you're bench pressing, the hardest rep, the most one that's most important is the last one. That's when the muscles rip. That's when the lactic acid goes in. That's when you get stronger. Celebrate growth over success. And the last thing is we crush mediocrity, right? Every one of us have mediocrity. You have it. I have it. We have vices. We have things that pull us back. We shirk. We get lazy. All those things. And when you see it, you treat it like you would a big bug in your house. You crush it with everything you've got. When you do that, you live those four C's and apply the two rules. Forget about it, man. You're crazy. It's nuts how good you are
0: wow and when you rattle everything off like that it's like where do i begin so first of all your two rules i mean and this hopefully isn't gonna come off like i'm critiquing like this is really great like this is such a great foundation hopefully what i'm going to say is more of how i'm relating to everything which i mean obviously as we talked about earlier with accountability, starting with you, that's something that I really can relate to. And now your second role is something that I think is probably a challenge for a lot of people because to separate that emotion, you got a strike and maybe you felt like it was out of the strike zone and they still call it a strike. Well, I guess if you're at the professional level, you can argue it if you want, but most of us are not professional baseball players. So, I mean, you you, you can't, like, if you start arguing it and you're in the middle of a bat and you're getting emotional, you're not going to accomplish your goal, which is getting a hit, or perhaps if you're real good, getting a home run, which I was never that good. I don't think I, unless I was playing with my buddies, I never hit a home run in a real game. But, (laughs) but I mean, the ultimate goal is to at least get on base and get a hit or draw a walk. And I think a lot of people don't think about that when they're getting all emotional about the issue. It's just one strike. Move on from it. Separate yourself from it. It's in the past. And you got to move forward. And I think sometimes people dwell on the past and don't.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's a, And that's really into the second C right where we correct failure. Right. Look, who cares if you make mistakes? Okay. Fix it. Fix it and roll. Right. You're going to make mistakes. So make a change and move forward.
0: And I think that was one of the hardest lessons in life that I had to learn because I've had so many things going on in my world, so many ups and downs. And when I've had those downs, I would dwell on it and be like, man, how could I have done it differently? Or if this would have happened differently, my life would have turned out differently. And I don't really think like that anymore. I mean, I like to reflect and, you know, say, oh, you know, that would have been interesting, but I don't dwell like that anymore. And I don't really know why I stopped doing that. I guess I just To your point about energy, I just felt like it was a waste of energy.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a really good foundation. Celebrating growth and just celebrating your victories in general, I think is probably still one of the hardest for me because, again, with all the ups and downs in life, it's like, You almost are waiting for the other shoe to drop when you have success. And as I've gotten older and have grown, I've come to realize that life is too short to not celebrate your victories a little bit. And if you're putting in the work and you're getting the results, then you need to take time to celebrate.
1: That's right. That's absolutely right.
0: And then, I mean, I could go on all day. I mean, these are just really great critiquing success, correct failure, crush mediocrity, which I love. You're just not, you know, achieving, you know, moving above mediocrity, you're crushing it down. That's right. And I love that. So this, this to me is like really inspiring and a really great foundation, not only for you, but. For those who seek your coaching and just coming off of that what type of clients do you tend to have or look for for your coaching
1: i work with small businesses between zero and ten million i call it napkin to ten anybody from a napkin to ten million and and my, through my coaching we help them build their sales and marketing and executive practice to be successful
0: That is awesome. Is there uh, any type of client that you enjoy working with the
1: most? Um, I uh, look sales and marketing is my background. And so I really like clients that are that have a sales and marketing need, right? Like, hey, we're trying to ramp this up, trying to grow this, or we're trying to do these things. Uh, Those are the ones that get the highest level engagement. We actually get the most movement up quickest.
0: Awesome. So What's next for you? What's next for Accountability Now? What, what are some of your goals moving forward?
1: Um, accountability Now, we currently work with uh, 17 clients in seven countries. Um, uh, the practice is doing really well. We're in industries from uh, robotic automation to um, pest control sales to fence installation sales to, um, to nutraceutical and supplements. It's doing really well. Um, and we're on the process of, uh, doing a few more things that'll help probably double size the business over the next two years for anybody that's on your, that's listening to your practice, that's a coach. Um, cause you're gonna have a lot of people that are coaches uh, out there. Um, we've, we've had now for the last year, a coaching roundtable um, group coaching. Uh, it's, it's not a gimmicky thing where there's, you know, promising appointments and stuff. We actually have a group of close to a hundred coaches that attend every single week. And we go through how to improve, grow your practice, how to scale. They get real group coaching with me on building their practice. It's amazing how many people come into this, this piece and start to really do well, right? We've had just, just recently, one of the coaches in the academy, um, uh, he came on, he's never ever had 10 clients actively at one time. And he closed six clients in his first month. And now he's over the ten threshold, so it's it's a pretty cool program, and and it's I, I'm expecting us to get to 250 or 300 coaches over the next year.
0: Wow that that's really amazing. I mean, maybe on the surface that might not sound like a lot, but that's like 200 250 300 coaches. That's actually like a lot a lot. That's yeah. When I think about just putting individuals in a room. It's like, wow, that's really good. That's really amazing. And I mean, I think what you're doing is really cool and really incredible. And I'm using all these words, exciting words here, but I mean, it's really great. I feel like the foundation that you've set and have built is going to benefit so many people. And I think your story is really inspiring and I really enjoy hearing it. Um before we wrap up though, just out of my own curiosity, I know that being a writer and being a journalist, especially, was something that I wanted to do at one point in one of my lifetimes here. Mm-hmm. And I know you're a Forbes contributor. How How did that come about? How did you become a contributor?
1: You know, I'll tell you that, you know, I've always got these big dumb stories, so I'll tell it uh, quickly for you. But um, when I was doing that startup that I told you about, uh, the one where my wife said she didn't marry a loser and we were really struggling um, as a business, I got the idea, hey, if I write for Forbes, that'll help us a ton. And I'm a big fan of writing. them. my goals. Okay. So I write down my goals every single morning, all five of my goals. And one of my goals was I write for Forbes. And so this is back in 2013. And so what do you do when you want to try to be a contributor? You send them, you know, I researched it. I, I wrote up an article about a thousand page or a thousand word article. And I sent it to Forbes, no response. Okay. So, but every morning I kept writing, I am a Forbes contributor, right? mm-hmm. I just kept drilling it in next month, another thousand word article. Sent it, no response. Next month, next month, month. and every day I'm a Forbes contributor. I'm a Forbes contributor. Well, I sent them an article almost every single month from 2013, all in 2014, all in 2015, all in 2016, all in 2017. And then in May of 2018, I sent them an article and they said, Hey, we'd love for you to, we like this article, we'd love for you to come on board. I must have sent them close to 45, maybe 50,000 words. Okay. And no responses. But then in May of 2018, they came back and said, yeah, let's do it. And so I jumped on board. And uh, now I write in the entrepreneurship and leadership and business development space. It's been a great thing for my brand. It's been great for my coaching practice. It's also got me some recognition. They took one of my articles and they featured it. They put it on their podcast. They spoke about it, which got me. That was all. That was the one about the four C's. They talked a lot about that. Um And it's led to a lot of different opportunities, but it wasn't because I tried it for a few months. I tried it for 2013 all the way through 2018 until I got in. And so you've got to be persistent. You have to stay at your dreams and your goals if you want to win. And you have
0: to put in the work, which is exactly what you did. I know, again, this makes me think of something going on in my own life where I left my job of 10 years. I was given a buyout package and didn't really know where I was going from there. But, excuse me, I had to continue working like a nine to five job, did a lot of contracting. I knew where I wanted to be, but I had to continue applying and applying and applying and applying and applying. Finally, Almost five years to the day after I left that company that I was at, I wound up getting the exact job or type of job, and certainly with the company that I always wanted to be at. And beautiful. I I can't even count how many jobs I've applied to over the past five years. Like more more than I can count. But As exhausting as it was and as much as I didn't want to continue applying and applying and applying, I still did it. And eventually, I got to where I want to be. And the same thing applies to everything else that I'm doing, the podcast. It's like I'm just working and working and working. And I have my goals and I'm putting in work. So I think what you, the story you just told is just, if you really want something, it's not going to always necessarily fall in your lap and just happen. You have to put in the work and you are such a great example of that. And thank you. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. I suppose we are running out of time for today. So if you want to go ahead and tell people how they can work with you, how they can find you. Other than Forbes, uh, you can go ahead
1: and, uh, let her yeah, rip. you can go, you can, a lot of people follow me on Instagram, executivecoach.don. Okay. Executivecoach.don. You can follow my content there. Um, but I also, I have, if the, like I mentioned, go to accountabilitynow.net, you can get my ebook, but then I have an online course that is a monthly program. Um, where we talk about the four Cs, starting a business, building your leadership profile, building your brand, all those things. And uh, I normally am doing that for $97 a month, but with your podcast, we're going to, we've discounted it to $7 a month. So anybody can go on there, they can get it. It's cheaper than Netflix and it gives you something better to watch that you can watch a little bit every day and learn accountability for yourself.
0: Terrific. Well, wow. I think that is a good go to wrap up this episode on. This was Don Markland of accountability now among many other things. go follow him go look him up amazing inspiring story and great foundation for building up your business, building up yourself. I I think what you're doing is terrific so, Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on Mark My Words. And if speaking of Mark My Words and speaking of me, you, if you like this podcast and hopefully you do, go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead, and give a review. You can find it on iTunes, Google, Audible. I have a YouTube channel. Wherever you can find podcasts, you can find. Mark my words, which you know, since you're listening to it right now,
1: yes, right,
0: you can find me on social media. I still have my personal one. I welcome everybody. I'm at Nimrod79. I also have one for this podcast, it's Mark My Words Six. And I could not get Mark My Words flat out. I guess somebody else who spells their name M A R C had that account. So mark my words six on instagram you can find me on twitter and nimrod1979 i always welcome people to follow me on linkedin i'm a pretty consistent poster i post all about my journey i try to post about career transition entrepreneurship and just working in general careers so come find me on social media come find me i'll be back very soon with another episode again thank you to God, markland of accountability now i'm mark schmidt thank you for listening and mark my words have a good day thanks mark